And hey, how's it going, Michael? Uh, what's new in your world? Tolerably nifty. <laughs> Tolerably nifty. Hey, nice. you know, make people wonder what you're talking about already. Yeah, what's going on in my world? Um, I am sitting next to a um, five-foot-tall pink unicorn. Wow. <laughs> and, I, and I only have a root beer here, so there you go. That's all you can offer. Yeah, yeah well, it's it's, uh, it's my granddaughter's first birthday this weekend, so oh, I picked this up. Yeah, my wife goes, what is she, really, this? And so, yeah, this. This is what I'm getting her. You got her the other things. This is what I'm getting her. This is what you're getting her. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So, um, as you may have heard before in my podcast, I do a five to seven question with people that I think are interesting, which happens to be uh, yourself. And um, I try to just learn about people. And I think that's kind of the, oh, Lord, let me turn that off. Uh, I try to learn. Yeah. What a rush. Literally. Cardinal rule, <laughs> cardinal rule of podcasting. Turn your damn phone off. That's literally. Oh, that's a good point, actually. Let me. Uh, let me yeah. <laughs> let's, let's do that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's sit as a sh- Let's um, do that. Do not While disturb. you are turning off your phone, I am going to, uh, I'm going to hit you up with the first question. And I mean, the question says full five minutes, but you don't have to fill that five minutes but um basically uh five minutes of who you are and what you are most proud of who i am i am he as you are he as you are me um (laughs) wow (laughs) let's go yeah that there you go we're going to the beatles right off the bat (laughs) uh who i am um that's an interesting question because there's different ways you can look at it. Say like, you know, I'm six feet tall. Uh, I keep my hair long ish. I, I don't like short hair. I grew up a Navy brat and uh, I could until really, really high school. My mother wouldn't let me grow my hair long, you know, and this is like mid seventies. So you're just, at, at uh, you're point. just a big rebel. You're just rebelling against yeah, everything. I right mean, now. yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's just like, I, and I don't know why in my entire life, everybody seems to have a something to say about people's hair, you know, and, and mine, you know, so it, I was in the air force. I, I joined just because I had nothing better to do at the time. And, um, I already had a job, but I'd say, well, let's try something different. And my girlfriend, uh, Mike, who is my current wife <laughs> had broken up with me. Um, so it's like, okay, I'm going to go do something. But even in when air force, because hell, I was a Navy brat. I'm not joining the Navy. Um, you know, after basic training where they buzz your hair, never doing that again. Um, but uh, even the whole time in, it, when, even when I got a haircut, I still needed a haircut. <laughs> right in the ragged edge. Leave my hair alone. What is wrong with you people? It's got nothing to do with doing a job for the most part. <laughs> right. And you know. how would you how would you describe who you are? Um, so wh- who's the person, Michael, versus, you know, the long haired guy who you sort of try to avoid person? Um, <laughs> what am I? I am. I work hard. I try not to disappoint in myself or whatever, whoever or whatever I'm doing the work on. I like 
to do attract or um, attack something in a manner that I can be proud of it, that I've accomplished something. Um, I don't like to embarrass myself. I don't like to be embarrassed. I don't like being put in situations where, hey, here's a stripper. It's your birthday. No, don't. <laughs> I don't want to be right. a target unless I do it myself. Um, I'm a smart ass. Um, I like uh, <laughs> puns. I like going off on tangents on puns. I think it's a nice way, I think, to yeah, like kickstart your brain and just go on a roll. And it's nothing necessary to do with it's putting people down or anything like that. It's just it's a way of just, you know, getting your brain in gear and just, you know, doing an exercise to me. So I like I like puns. Um I am I'd like to think I I don't know a lot about everything. I know a little bit about a lot of things, enough to be dangerous on others. Fair um, enough. But you, Fair enough. But you can always learn um, that. It, and I think it was one of your questions on 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 what you had shown me before, but but it made me think of this, and this ties into that. My first job I had. I don't know what I was, 16, 17 years old, working in a credit union. And I'd started as, you know, the, the errand boy and, you know, go pull the weeds sort of thing, whatever. But when they didn't have that to do, I started working in the file room. You know, and I kind of took it over, you know, because I could handle it. You know, I figured out how to do whatever. And when they brought a new person in and they, you know, as a teller type, but they wanted to learn the files and, you know, she was doing some things that I didn't. That wasn't my way of doing things. And I kind of like told her, don't, I know what I'm, you know, I know everything here. Leave me alone. Well, that didn't go so well. So uh, one of the, the vice presidents, uh, we he had a talk with me. Nice guy named Jack, um, Jack Halbertson. He's probably dead by now because he was retired Navy at the time. So that was 45 years ago. <laughs> so he's probably not around anymore. Um Nice guy. Didn't yell at me, did anything, but it's always stuck with me that it's like, you never know everything. There's always something to learn. And that stuck with me since then. And it's kind of like that. I, I know things and I'd like to carry on a conversation with them and have a good argument at times. An argument to me is just a back and forth exchanging of ideas. And maybe I'll change mine a little bit. Maybe I'll change yours. Maybe we'll both change. Maybe we won't. But it's that nice give and take, because uh, I can learn to learn from that, even something that inane, it's still learning. Um, so I, I like to learn. So it sounds like you, um, <clears throat> it sounds like you're a, you're sort of a, a forever student of life. Yeah, I guess so. Um, even if it doesn't mean anything, but I just kind of store it away. And like I said, you never know who you might run into the, a conversation or something and you can have something to add to it. It's kind of like when there's um, chats going on at my current job. And it's like, I could say something, jump in the middle. And some, a lot of times I don't. It's like, I'll just sit back and just kind of watch what goes and throw something in now and again. I don't necessarily want to be the leader of it. Uh, but it's like, I'll just throw in my little bits here and there. Um, especially depending on what the group is, <laughs> right. 
<laughs> if it's work related, I'm not going to get too far into too many subjects. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you'll, you have to play the office politics, right? So exactly. Even on, even on a it. chat. So it's like, ah, never That's mind. Right. I'm not going to say my, my first reaction to that. <laughs> gotcha. So tying into that. So your philosophy. So if you were to, to, have a mission statement if if michael was a company what is the mission statement that would follow funnily enough um it goes with one of your other questions which which was something to the effect of uh what's my favorite phrase or right there's something right. that effect so i'll tie yeah. that into it i, I think it, it touches on a lot is I heard it as a kid. Uh, it's Bugs Bunny. And it is. Okay. Don't take life too seriously. You'll never get out alive. Hmm. And Bugs said that. Yeah. That's a Bugs Professor Bunny Professor Bugs. <laughs> yeah. And I've always liked that. It's just like, why are you being so serious? It's like laugh. You know, again, it goes with the puns. It goes with me making jokes. It's, you know, me trying to, whether it's a defense mechanism from way back and probably still holds over is making self-deprecating humor or just humor in general. I, that's how I interact a lot. Okay. Okay. And how would you describe, um, how would you describe a sort of a general philosophy mood that you have? Like, would you, how would you sort of be categorized as the jokester? Would you be categorized as the, you know, like what, what would, um, where would you sort of put yourself if you had to sort of, if you had to, if you had to put a hashtag in front of yourself, what would it be? Um, likable, I think. Uh, but f yeah, funny. Actually, I, I like that. Not a, I, I like think that. I'm likable. However I attach it, whether it's being funny or doing my work or helping or, you know, asking questions or trying, you know, whatever. It's like, I think, you know, likable. I would like to think I'm that way anyway. I, I like how you actually said that at first. But likable, I think. I think that should be the hashtag. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm likable. It's like, you know, <laughs> never know. <laughs> Of course, you know, like I said, the jokester made me think of my wife. It's like, uh, because she's one of the things that I guess attracted her and still does, I guess, to me is that uh, I make her laugh. Well, as long as it's, you know, as long as you're laughing with her and. And, and she's not pointing, you know, she's yeah. Pointing and <laughs> laughing at you. Yeah, that's always <laughs> yeah. a good thing. So would you, um, would you consider yourself a. Would you consider yourself a city boy? Would you consider yourself a a country boy? Um, because it's sort of that I'm I'm asking that. So hold on to that for a second. Hold on, then you're mm -hmm. head. Because the next sort of question I have would be, um, uh, what would it take for you to go off the grid for four weeks, eight weeks, let's say, eight weeks at max, but no phone, no email, no television, okay, no well, uh, yeah, quote unquote yeah. connectivity. It's not difficult, really. Now, uh, in answer to the first part, city or country, neither. I grew up in a small town, uh, you know, I don't know what it was at the time, 13, 14,000. Um, 
but we could always drive to Seattle, you know, it's an hour and a half away. Um, but I've lived in a larger town here of half a million for a number of years. I see the plus and minuses to both. Which one am I? I'm not either, really. I'm kind of, I want and I, I like my privacy. Whether in the city here, we're more homebodies and what we do here, and we don't like to be bothered unless we want to go out and bring that in. Um, so privacy is what I like, whether as much as we can get wherever we're at. Um, so again, what does it take to get off the grid? Well, I don't have as much a mindset that that would be difficult. Um, as a matter of fact, this had, it's not that difficult because I've gone through that. Um, when I was in the air force and we were in England, you know, as, as you know, uh, a lot of people tend to hang around the base either for there's housing for them. That is, I don't know if in Canada versus us, but generally it can be free, uh, ish, or, you know, it's just easier. You're closer to the, the, the base um, amenities and so forth. Not me. We, we lived 45 minute drive <laughs> from and, the base, know, from the wow. base in a village of like 300 people. And it was nice because we're away from work. This is nice. Nobody bothers us. We're, we're away. And oh, it was a huge house. It had a, squash court, a tennis court, a swimming pool, <laughs> you know, so we had a wing of a house. It was like a 350-year-old mansion. And so it had its pluses there. But in England at the time, it there what you didn't have cell phones. You didn't have computers at the time. This was in the mid-80s. And we also didn't, you could have had one, but we didn't have a TV. We could have had one, but we didn't have a phone. Uh, so I had my stereo, we had the radio that was our entertainment or books, had a lot of books, collected books. And so we were away from everything, you know, we might, you know, go shopping once a week, you know, or depending, you know, coming back and forth from work. So to, to go, to go off the grid for that, it's like, um, I mostly did it before in, in my life. So it would not take that much for me to say, okay, we're going to shut this stuff down. I, I, I don't care. I'm not a social person by nature if i'm quote forced into it by my job or something and then i pick and choose on my own terms um but right. i'm not like i need constant companions around me or anything i can be you know just good on my own give me my little distractions you know with my my cameras my books my uh whatever so no, it, it wouldn't take that much. The mindset, it, it wouldn't bother me. Gotcha. Okay. Um, all right. If you had the ability to turn back time, and I know you've heard, you've probably heard this a thousand times in a thousand different places, but I, I, I found this question recently and I, and I, I kind of like it. Um, if you could turn back time and talk to your 18 year old self, what would you tell yourself? <laughs> Don't go in the military. <laughs> That'd be one thing. I tell people that all the time. It's just like, it's just not worth it. Um, unless you can, they can train you to do a job that you know that you have something on the outside that you can just turn it into an opportunity. Past that, they're using you and you won't get much out of it. Um, 
Well, that's let's let's talk about that for a second. Um, c- coming out of the military, did you you don't feel like you had any sort of transferable skills? I mean, what? I mean, are you allowed to talk about what you did in the military? Oh yeah, it's been Just, long enough that it's okay. You know, um, well, what did you do? First of all, so what did you do, and what did you it, sort of get out of it? Uh, well, I'll tell you what I did. Not I'll tell you what I got out of it. The the technical long name for it was I was an airborne cryptologic linguist Russian. Okay. So I, okay. (laughs) Yeah. So I took the standard basic training. And after that, there was a four week English class. Um, I don't know how long that thing is three, four hours a day, nothing but learning English because they figured you needed a basis of English. Um, which would help you learn a foreign language. And then it was, from then on, it was almost a year and a half, 1,400 hours of Russian instruction. That was done in a little less than a year and a half. What I find interesting, just skipping ahead, is so many people, you know, I don't have a college degree. So it's like, okay, well, how much does it take to get a college degree? Well, like one year is like 300 hours. And so your associate is like six and your bachelor's is 1,200, and I'm going, I've had 1,400 hours just in language. That's more than what anybody puts into a bachelor's degree. But trying to get anybody to give me credit for that, and that's just the language, let alone I had six months worth of technical training after that. So so let's rewind a second. You have probably the equivalent of a bachelor and a half of Russian under your belt mm-hmm. and coming out of the military, you couldn't get that recognized anywhere. No, because there, yes, I have a diploma from the language, what do they call as a DLI, the defense language Institute. And it's, it's a big place. It's over in, out in Monterey, California. And that's where diplomats and military, everybody goes through that to learn who learns language. They all go through this place. So yeah, I have a nice diploma, but it's not a college diploma. So it's not even recognized as, oh, did you, do you have a, you know, where's your, you know, your diploma? Did you go to college? Well, no, I didn't go to college. Well, it doesn't matter then. You may have gone to tech school, but that's not the same as having this. So that means nothing to most or all you know, like potential employers or whatever. So that, and, and so and, bizarre. Yeah. It's just like, they go, so what did, what did you do? And it's like, okay, well, I flew around listening to airplanes take off and, <laughs> you know, and boats running around and stuff like this. Oh, now the only thing I could have gotten out of it. I mean, it's, oh, it's out of date now, but the security clearance, Hey, that's something, you know, that right. could have been turned into something. So really, that my basic job gave me nothing to do on the outside. Um, What I started to learn a little bit, which is a sideline, because you can't do you can't fly forever, you know, or all the time, I should say. So, um, and all the ups and downs of different units I was in. But when I got back to the states, we would go once, maybe twice a year, if you're lucky. We would fly over to England for essentially four weeks, and we'd fly uh, like 10, 12 missions. 
and the missions were eight to 15 hours long each, depending on where you, you know, flew. If you're going north over the Arctic Circle or you were going into the Baltic, you know, those are shorter ones. But so when you're not doing your job, you had a secondary job, which so we, the linguists essentially, or all the tech people, we ran all the administrative and oddball functions of the unit. So the unit may have had 300 people in it and only five officers. And so just the higher uh, NCOs were also the people that worked on, you know, did the missions and everybody would get on the planes occasionally. But other than that, well, yeah, this was a reporting group. This was a support group. I, you know, this is a mobility group and all these other things. Um, the people that flew different missions, like I said, I was Russian, they were Spanish. So those were people were, were flying still because they could do that from here and go down south to the Caribbean and fly. So right. they, they could fly more, but we would be the supporting of those constant ones. So I was in the mobility group. I got in lucky there because <laughs> you had two groups. You had uh, ops, you know, operations. Then you had logistics, you know, people that handled all the gear. And then off of this corner, we had the mobility group. And those three right. groups essentially were under the commander. And the mobility group, we had an actual mobility person who was not a linguist. He he knew mobility in the Air Force, but he had four linguists under him that helped, which was great because now we were no longer in ops. So that we were the only four uh, linguists that the operations officers, the major, he couldn't control us because we didn't work for him. We worked for mobility and mobility is directed to the commander as well. <laughs> and it was great because literally as the commander said, as long as we make him look good, he doesn't care what we do. <laughs> Fair enough. So where does the, where does the crypto uh, crypto part come in this? Cause you mentioned crypto crypto logic, crypto logic. So were you deciphering? Is that what it is? So you're using the Russian it, language to try to decipher a uh, code. Well, it's it pretty much straight. Um, there's parts of that you could do, yes. And the training, and, and what I did, the training part, there was. Um, in the tech training after the language, I remember down, this was down in Texas, in San Angelo, where some of the training was listening to um, tracking. And it was, it was in sets of numbers. And yeah, and you were tested on, you know, how, you know, th they would be reading off and you'd be listening to sets of numbers and you'd have to, you know, write it all down and all this. And so, yeah, you had to figure that out for tracking, but mostly it was, you know, voice. Uh, cryptologic, I mean, uh, terminology, as you know, in military, you can use a term that is colloquial, but in the military, it means something else. Right, right, right. So, yes, we learned military Russian. So it's not the same as civilian Russian, you know, there's, wow. there's differences. So we're listening to that stuff to know what's going on and, and, you know, oh, there's a plane taking off and what's his heading and, you know, um, what sort of airplane is it? And, you know, all this sort of stuff. So other people could get more specialized, what we called, um, I think they were called Diddy Bops, you know, Morse code people. 
Right, so right. There were right. people that did a lot of that too, and it was very specialized. A lot of it. Once you got on the plane, it was like, okay, this position you're doing this. This position you're doing that. Um, I got into for a while uh, naval stuff. So I sat in the back, and we would be listening to the ships that we were flying over. You know how many ships are where, and all this sort of thing. And you know who's who's down below there. So. Um, and while other people are listening to airfield stuff or listening to see who's coming up to take a look at us, things like that. So it it was interesting. You know, it's not like this is the most horrible thing in the world, but it, it was interesting. Saw things, heard things that uh, you never would have done anywhere else. Of but course, it, that's of kind of the sidelight of still it wasn't. It wasn't good for. I wouldn't, it's, it's not a good life. Um, I, you know, at some point <laughs> I'd say my turning point on like, this was, this is a really nutty job. It really is when you think about it <laughs> because we're right. flying in this converted 707 and you get a, uh, a MIG come up to take a look at you and they're coming up fully armed. I mean, oh, if, wow. if, 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 you know, it's just like what, you know, you'll see on the news that, you know, hey, the Russians came up and looked at our, you know, aircraft over off Alaska. Yeah. Well, right. we and do those th- things have missiles on them and yeah, guns and, well, and yeah, oh, and we man. do, we do the same to them and they do the same to us. So it's like, it's not a big deal, but it's like first time I saw one, I'm on my first flights. Cause I'm in the back and there's only like two windows outside the cockpit. And I'm, so I'm like, like next to one. And I look up and, you know, the guy's on the radio and he's saying, yeah, I'm a, I'm a half a mile away or a half a click away from the plane. In reality, he's like a hundred feet. <laughs> so they're oh, lying boy. to their controllers because the radar blips are so close. They can't tell that amount of, you know, separation. Right. I imagine yeah. radar nowadays is much, much more accurate. It, it could as, be now. Yeah. Uh, but even so, it's just like you look out the window and, you know, I, I, I can wave. He'll wave. And these are upper people. They don't let the rookies out there doing these things because anybody gotcha. could press the wrong button. So these are like majors, light colonels, colonels, you know, people that they're professionals up there. But everyone, nobody wants anything to happen. I wave, he waves, it's all good, you know. And but I'm going, God damn, those missiles are big. <laughs> right. You know? right. And it just takes one, just takes one and we go. (laughs) Yeah. And it's just like, we're just, you know, we're just a flying lawn dart. It's just, there's nothing, you know, our, our evasive maneuvers is drop out of the sky. Yeah. But what do you do? How do you get out of that? (laughs) Damn. (laughs) So yeah, it's, but that's part of why this is just a crazy, was a crazy job and still is. People are still doing this shit. Um, and, but the, the one time we were coming back from the Arctic and we're flying along the coast of Norway to England and I'm in the back and it's just kind of like, it takes three hours, three and a half hours to get back, get down from the mission area. And uh, the Norwegians sent up a plane to look at us because they do their things too. Uh, and we're outside of their territory. We're never crossed any boundaries, but so they come up, we're a target of opportunity for, you know, checking out so it's an f-16 comes up norwegian pilot and he's on the side and he's you know 100 feet away waving and all this and it's like okay he's going home and i'm watching this plane and he's right next to us and all of a sudden he turns it on its side and drops and i'm watching this plane disappear 
And you really never know how high up you are in an airplane. Yeah, you know, takeoff and landing, but it's not like 30 odd thousand feet seeing, oh, I know I'm 30,000 feet. No, you can't tell right. until you see right. something fall from where your eye level down. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, it'd be like watching an engine fall off. And it's like, okay, we're, we're, you're not going to survive anything. Oh boy, that's that's scary. Yeah, that was more like, ah, this is a screwy job. Why am I here? (laughs) You mentioned uh, a little while ago, you mentioned your girlfriend broke up with you, but she's now your wife. Yeah, that's correct. How, what happened there? If I I may ask. (laughs) Um. Okay, so we had dated. I'm how old? Uh, three years older than her. So we met her senior year in high school. And so we dated for a while, and we, we had a little tiff. Uh, stupidity on both parts, but you know, just being kids, you don't, you know, you have those things. And so we split up a little bit, and then we got back together a couple months later. And in the meantime, I joined the Air Force. Now, again, stupid me, I could have easily gotten out of it. And just changed my mind because there wasn't any oaths at the time yet or any paperwork. So it was just, here's my intention is all. Uh, but I didn't. Um, I tend to be one of those wacky people that uh, go through with what I promise as much as possible. <laughs> wow, that makes you a terrible person. I know. <laughs> when I think of Follow that instance, yeah, when I think <laughs> of that instance, it does. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, so I went off in her off into the Air Force, and we tried to carry on and whatever. But her mother never liked me. She always thought I was just there's something wrong with me or whatever because she didn't understand <laughs> my paintings. This not, not I would say especially at the time, but I, I I can paint better than what I do at the at that time. Now I can paint better, but she didn't understand my kind of abstract thinking. It's kind of um, surreal, abstract, whatever. So she thought something's wrong with me. So she, you know, didn't like me and da, da, da. And then without me around, it was easier to, you know, get Laura, my wife, um, not against me per se, but to keep us apart, you know, because I'm a thousand miles away at the time. Sure. Of course. Of course. So it it just kind of happened that way. And so by the time I got to a point, um, she was started dating someone else. So I just kind of started dating and it just kind of fell apart. All right, fine. So she ended up marrying somebody and I did too. Right. Uh, it, it, not through uh, anything like, Oh wow. I'm in love with these people more out of just circumstance. We kind of found ourselves in and within a month. We didn't even know we'd married somebody else. <laughs> wow. So you got out of the military and it was kind of like, who's available. Let's get married. <laughs> kind of, but not really. No, I got out, but that wasn't the prime thing I was looking at because my the, the person I married was in the military too. She was doing the same job. Um, oh. and it was and that kind of again, it was kind of a responsibility thing because she was pregnant when I met her. He's not mine biologically, but it's like I'm dating you and I kind of follow through on things. So it's like I'll help and we got married wow. and I raised him as my son. And, uh, wow, you have some honor to you there, uh, Mike. <laughs> something I don't know what it is. Anyway, I don't regret that part of it. I regret that I married this person. The some of the baggage that went along, for lack of a better word, like my, my son, I don't regret that. No, so baggage isn't the word for that, but 
we'll call it that because it's her baggage. <laughs> sure. Fair enough. Uh, I think she was mostly just looking for somebody to help her out of her situation more than anything. Um, so we ended up having a daughter together, which was another thing that she never told me. She took herself off birth control. Why? Because she wanted a daughter. Yeah, but she, you didn't discuss it with me. <laughs> wow. So, so okay. decisions being made for you, life decisions being made for Evidently, you, involve yes. your life. That yes. You obviously so, were on a need to know basis and you didn't need oh, to yeah, know yeah. apparently. So, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, that, well, she already had a son from a previous marriage that she didn't have custody of. And we ended up getting him dumped on us again without anybody asking me. So I ended up having to raise him and the one she was pregnant with. And then three years later, my daughter. So I'm raised three kids, only one biologically mine, but I, I count two. And the eldest from her marriage, he doesn't talk to me because I'm the evil stepfather. You know, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> because I raised him, and his father never even sent him a card or a penny or anything the entire time. But I'm evil, okay. But anyway, <laughs> right? No, when right. we got out of the service, I had more concerns on just uh, providing for the family versus hey, let's split up now. Because my dad was in the navy, like I said, he was in Viet- Korea, Vietnam. He retired after 20 and like it was 1969, he retired. So he was gone most of the time growing up. And then parents got divorced when I, you know, so when I was 10. So my dad wasn't around a whole lot. And we didn't see him a whole lot because my parents didn't get along. So he stayed away for the most part, as I find out later. And my mother's side story, we were always told was a little different. I've only found out later in life, other things, but. So when I get out, my responsibility is to the kids because my I'm wired, I've wired myself to think I'm not going to have happen to my kids what happened to me. I'm going to be there for my kids. Of course, of course. So I stuck it out. Yeah, you want to break that 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 cycle that's uh, I'll put up with everything that happens because this is I have to do this. I took on the responsibility. I'm going to see this through. And it took another seven years after getting out of the service to figure out that, hey, I can do this all on my own. Because my wife, she had her affairs before we got out of the service, continued afterwards, and I would just kind of put up with it up until I didn't and said, okay, you're working shifts. I'm working during the day. I'm getting the kids up. I'm feeding them. I'm getting them to bed. I'm doing all this. Hey, I'm going to do all this, all this myself. I don't need you. Right. Right. <laughs> so basically I said, okay. And, you know, it wasn't that simple, but it essentially got that way. It's just like, okay, after 16 years, it's like, nope, I'm divorcing you. You can move out. Uh, you can have your stuff and here's a little bit of furniture. Here's a car and I'm keeping the kids. So I got custody of the one who isn't mine <laughs> and my daughter and I got the house and she paid child support. Essentially, I bought her off. I said, you can have this stuff and I will take all the bills. You can just walk away. Wow. I will do it all. Wow. I don't need your help, but I have 100% custody. So that's what I did. Ooh, that's quite the story, man. Jeez yeah. Louise. But to the beginning of the story was, well, how am I married to my current wife? 
How are well, you married? Uh, yes, exactly. How did, so that's, how did that's you sort of circle there. back? <laughs> to, to circle back, it's like we kept in a little contact over the years. Not like, you know, hey, wouldn't it be nice or anything like that? Because she was had her own issues with who she married. Oh, no. And so hers wasn't great either. She never had any kids, which she wanted because he wouldn't. Oh, and no. It was his second marriage, too, and all this. So she had her issues. And I had mine. So we would occasionally, like, I don't know, every couple of years, you know, chat or something. And so, you know, one, a couple of times I saw her when I'd take a trip home, just saying hi, that sort of thing, but nothing. But because it was kind of one of those, if you aren't going to get divorced, she's not, gonna, I'm not going to get divorced. She's not going to get divorced. Let's, you know, um, it's kind That's of a strange. It's not fate. Yeah. Yeah. No. So when I got divorced, uh, finally, I didn't tell her. <laughs> oh, interesting. I, it was just like, no, um, you know, you said, don't, you know, don't bother. Just stay away. Okay, fine. I'm just going to do this. And she finally called a couple of years after. She had some found some stuff in a closet that I'd given her and wanted to know if I wanted it back. So it's just gotcha. like, oh, no, you can keep it. It's fine. Oh, by the way, I got a divorce. It was like, her first words were bullshit. <laughs> 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 no, really. I can send you a copy of the paperwork. Here's everything. Was she divorced at the time? Did she? No, end no. Up getting... She, she, she oh, had. Okay. She hadn't changed anything. Okay. Um, okay. So, did that motivate her? Maybe to. Uh... Well, that was in the 25th of March. Was that phone call? And right. said, "Well, okay. You know, if you want me to call, I'll call. If not, well, you'll probably start calling." I said, "I won't." I, I went to a full month before I said anything. It's like I'm not going to you know, bug you, you know, some, a month later, I think I called or maybe she did, but I think I called. And so we chatted here and there and it was just like, okay, um, we're going to come out. I'm going to, so I took my daughter and we flew out to, to back home. And, uh, so we met up, um, this was July. We met up and we talked over a week, you know, a couple hours here and there, most every day and so forth. Didn't do anything, you know, untold as it were um but just sure. talked um right. and she you know she met my daughter and all this um because i think my daughter was 13 at the time and so i left or we left after that and i think within three days she moved out of her house <laughs> wow and do you think you she know, realized, wait a second, I have an option. I have options an option. here. We didn't yeah. discuss that. That wasn't part of our discussion. Hey, you should just do this. No, that was like, you did what? <laughs> sort of thing. And she did. She got her own apartment and all this and started up her, you know, filing for divorce. Right. Um, and she came out to visit in uh, end of August for a week. And her divorce was final end of September. And wow, that's quick. end of yeah, end of November. I flew out and we and I drove her out here, and we got married on New Year's Day. <laughs> wow! And how long ago was that? Like, when did you get married? Uh, twenty-one years now. Oh, wow! Congrats. Yeah, you know, so I can say, oh, I've known her for forty-three years, but uh, you know, we've you know only been married twenty-one. <laughs> that's crazy. Wow. That's a great story. Yay. 
Uh, so if you were going to ask a question of what do I regret? Yes. Again, that's, that's kind of going that's, in that direction. It kind of yeah. shows, it kind of shows where if I hadn't gone in the air force, <laughs> right. that kind of colors. You would have met the lady and da, 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 da. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't have the kids, a... of course, but it's still... Would you really you know... tell your 18-year-old self not to join the military? I mean, or would you Would you tell another kid? Let's say a friend of yours is visiting, they have a kid, and they're oh, yeah, thinking, I'm going to go to the I've, military. I've told people that I've worked with and all this, it's just like, no, don't, you know, uh, friends of the kids or whatever. It's just like, no, unless you can get something in writing that of what a job, you want to be an aircraft mechanic? Hey, fine. You want to do something that has to do with, you can turn it into something past that. They'll do whatever they want to. You're essentially a slave. Right. Right. Yeah. So it's like, if you, if, if you can't get something out of it that you want, then it's a waste of your time. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Um, all right. I'm gonna throw another question at you. Yeah. And this is a, this one. I like this one. It's, um, if you could, yeah. If you could have dinner with any three people, dead or alive, who would it be, and why? Okay, so I could have dinner with three dead people. They're not going to eat a lot. Three people, dead or alive? <laughs> yeah, any three people though. It doesn't. Oh, do you whoever... mean these dead people would be alive for dinner? Well, they wouldn't be dinner per se, but you know. <laughs> no, I mean, if I say like you know, uh, uh, um, who would who did I say? Um, Gandhi. He's not on my list, but he's dead. But if I had dinner with him, he'd be alive. Well, yes, yes. Okay, yes. see, that's what I mean. Yeah, Otherwise, okay, so I'm saying I'm having have dinner with a dead Gandhi. Dead <laughs> Gandhi. Wow. Um, okay, how about this? If you could have dinner with any three people, who would it be, and why? Um, Michelangelo would be one. Uh, why? Back in high school. <laughs> the only art class I ever took um, was uh, as my senior year, and there was a, an exhibit of Michelangelo's um, studies, anatomy studies he did in clay before he uh, that still exists um, before you know carve and marble life size things. So some of these things were small, you know, the size of a you know a cantaloupe or something like this. Um, these clay models that he had and there was an exhibit touring and it was in Seattle. So it was a, um, a, um, trip down there, field trip. So went to that and it was just amazing to see the detail that was put into these things and just the, the work just for a, a test model or something. So I've always thought that was kind of fascinating, the skill that it took to do that it would be kind of a fascinating, um, was it, um, was it Michelangelo who said that he doesn't actually create the art? He just uncovers the art that's in there? Or was it somebody else that said that? I don't Do you know, know what I'm saying. Like the, like oh, the, yeah. the, 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 the figure, the you're person, just chipping the away what's already in there. You know, you're exactly. just getting rid of the exactly. stuff that isn't was that. Him? that. I don't was know. That? Okay. I, I, under, right. I understand what you're saying. And I've heard something along those lines. Um, let's see another, uh, I, I kind of like art stuff. Maybe it has to do with my painting. Um, Salvador Dali would be an interesting character because he was a character. Um, whether he's a lunatic or not, I don't know, but he was definitely a character. Now, I've never thought of three. I've always, I've had a question come up about Michelangelo. So that one was easy. So the other, the, and, and just in my 
frame of mind on that, but I'm thinking characters. And this one, a character, but a brilliant character, Frank Zappa. Huh. Frank he was Zappa. he was brilliant, talented, and you know what he could do with music, but he was articulate, outspoken. <laughs> right, right, and right. I think it'd be a great conversationalist. Hmm. Fair enough. Fair enough. This uh, this next question I ask of folk. Um, this is kind of a, a a deeper, heavier question. And it is, um, and I'm gonna give some context to it as well. So it's, uh, am I hunting antelope or field mice now? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I know I sort of a side note. I, I tend to send some questions to people that I have potentially that are potentially going to be on the podcast just so they have an idea. So they're not walking into things blindly. And, um, are you drinking beer? No, I have my root beer. <laughs> I just opened a root beer. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> time to feed. It's time to feed the antelope. <laughs> Finally. Right. So hunting antelope or field mice. Um, so I describe it as this. I describe it as a, um, as a lion uh, is, is capable of capturing, killing, and eating field mice. But uh, the energy that it that it needs to do so sort of exceeds the kind of caloric intake of the mouse itself so a lion for instance that has spent the entire day just hunting and eating field mice would actually slowly starve to death um you know uh they would get that immediate sort of nourishment but in the long run it really wouldn't it wouldn't feed them um a lion i i feel needs an antelope and, you know, antelopes are bigger animals. Um, you know, they'll, they'll feed more, but, you know, they take more speed and strength and cunning to, you know, capture and kill. But once sort of captured, killed, um, your, your pride, you know, can eat. And a lion can live a long, happy life on a diet of antelope. Um, so the sort of analogy I'm pulling from that or, or the distinction here is that are you spending all of your time uh, and exhausting all your energy catching field mice in the short term it might give you a nice rewarding feeling but in the long term you're gonna die <laughs> so you know did I spend today chasing field mice or hunting antelope so, today today five years from now your life what the future are you hunting antelope or field mice? Both. It depends on the day. Uh, it depends. A lot depends on what the day presents, uh, how it starts, how it goes, what the interactions. It's it's all a mixture. It's it's chasing the mice until the opportunity for the antelope come along. So it's keeping it in mind that. Okay, I've got X amount of things. You know, I look at you know in terms of like projects. Projects are my mice. I got a lot of little projects, a lot of mice projects, and I've got some antelope projects. I always know what my antelope ones are. Sometimes it's easier to get all these little other ones done, and I feel accomplishment by getting those little ones done. I can say, "Hey, I got this done." I know it only took a half hour or something, but I got it done. Or 
maybe it was, you know, a, um, uh, uh, we're going like two weeks ago, we did a project in the kitchen. That was an antelope. Got that done. Right. That was right. a bigger thing because it took three hours to do and it was putting things together and figuring out how to do it, but it got it done. Or maybe now I'm looking at, oh, I got I have a wildebeest project, you know, because I've got to go down and, you know, strip a wall in the basement and reseal it and repaint it and then put up a new ceiling uh, in there. You know, that's a wildebeest project, you know, so I'm chasing those things. Or maybe that's still just an antelope. But what's the wildebeest one even bigger or, you know, it'd be, okay, we want to move. What does it take to move? That's a big thing we're chasing. So everything is everything in my life and how I look at a day to day is chasing something. But I categorize them by small and big, always keeping the big ones in mind, but keeping the small ones to keep things going. So it's like keeping sustenance going until the opportunity shows up to go after the bigger one. It'll jump out in front of me, or while I while I was chasing a mice, we ran into a herd of them. I will, you know, change the course, go do this. So right. it's, it's never losing sight of the big things while working on small things. So do you feel like you've done that in the past? And do you feel like do you feel like you you were spending a lot of time on on mice versus antelopes? Probably. I mean, I think. I don't, I can't speak for everybody, but I don't think most people, kids, teenagers, the stupid 20s, um, think about too many things further ahead than their own immediate needs and uh, the short lived. Um, so it's probably something one hopefully grows into to think about uh, a little more long term or a little more. Um, important you know when you have to start thinking of you know a house and what it takes to do it or a car and you know what it takes should i buy should i rent should i get a use should i get a new oh what's a mortgage you know you know these things um so i would say no i didn't initially start like that it was thing that's been cultivated uh to to a lot in work is like that. You know, I think if you have a, a job, depending on your job, that probably has something to do with it. Most of my jobs have been other than the Air Force. My desk was in an airplane for parts of it, but still a desk job. Right. You know, I'm not right. a manual labor. I've never had a manual labor job. Um, gotcha. I do a lot of manual labor because I own a house, so you have to. But doing that sort of thing, you know, it's just like, Everything's a priority. Well, some things are small priorities and some are big. No, everything has to be done and you have to organize things and prioritize in your mind. So I think a lot of that ha is the cultivation of that sort of attitude and how you outlook on how you, you accomplish things. And that's how I've taken it. What is your criterion for prioritizing? Do you prioritize based on time, money, or effort? Time and effort has are, are can be very similar. Um, so usually that if I'm if I have X amount of things that need to be uh, ten things need to be done, I will look and say, all right, at the moment, how much time do I have to do them? Can I get these done in this amount of time? They're small things, but I can get them done. 
Um, it's kind of like how I look at my day when I have uh, like, okay, I have an hour for lunch, but I'm going to split it up or through the day. So at, at noon, I take 15 minutes off and say, what am I going to do? Okay, I'm going to empty the dishwasher. I'm going to put the clothes in the, the dryer. I'm going to do whatever, you know, clean something, you know, and it's like these things have to be done. They're chores, I will, get, but they're mice. And that's how I'm going to do it. Because in this amount of time, I can get three or four of these things done, which is a lot as t- in terms of 10 chores. I've just done four or five of them. Okay, what didn't I get done? Well, maybe I didn't, you know, um, vacuum. Okay, well, that's going to take longer to do. Can't do it on lunch. I'll do it on the weekend. You know, Right. <laughs> so right. I have to put it into what can I do? What's the profit and you know, not profit and loss, but... Uh, you know, can I fit it in this? If I can't fit it in, it's going to have to go to a time that I can do it. So it's a juggling. You know, gotcha. So. All right. Okay. Fair enough. Um, last question for you, bud. And um, 42. It's the answer for everything. 42. Yeah, right. Um, if you're in a bad mood, do you prefer, do you prefer to be left alone or have someone cheer you up? Uh, leave me alone. I'm usually just one of those that it's like, I'm in a bad mood for usually my own reason. (laughs) You know, know, whatever's irritated me, uh, which probably more often than not is myself. (laughs) Something you've messed up on, yeah. (laughs) Something I've messed up on or didn't go well or I didn't handle right or, you know, just, you know, anything or something I've worked on is not coming out. What, now that could be anything. I'm piecing together a uh, a piece of, uh, oh, I could say like I just put together a cabinet uh, for some of my uh, photography gear and I'm right, building right. this thing. Right. And it's, it's not going well. It's like, so I'm like irritated. So it's like, or I'm doing a paint or on the opposite end, I'm painting and it's not coming out. It's just, it's, no matter what I do, it's just, I can't get this done. And it's the same thing. I'll get irritated and I'll just, er, and, and just, just leave me alone. Let me think it through. Let me calm myself down. And if I step away from it, I'm away. Cause if, if somebody tries to, okay, let's talk it out. What's going, no, now you're making me relive everything. I don't want that. I'm trying to just sort it out myself. <laughs> you, you're a sort of. Are you, are you, you kind of want to leave it in the past? Yeah. Let me work my way through it. Otherwise I'm now having to regurgitate everything and it's staying at that boiling level instead of letting it take it off the heat and let me come, you know, calm down, simmer down, Yeah, let it simmer down. And then I'll come back and I'll use, you know, it's funny is I'll usually, if that something like that happens, especially if I get really irritated at whatever, you throw your hammer or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. You, most of the time, you know, after an hour or whatever it is, you come back. It's like magic that it'll work. And it's like, I yeah. was probably just getting irritated or getting frustrated slowly, slowly, and you don't realize it until it blows up. And then you have to calm down and come back and you you can figure it out because you weren't in an irritated mood or in that irritation growth phase. Fair enough. I got uh, I got about four minutes and thirty seconds left. So, 
You didn't ask what my, 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 my hated phase a phrase was. <laughs> what's your hate? What's what's the phrase you hate the most? Thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers. Okay, you got to quantify that. You know how it is, especially here in the states. Every time somebody goes shooting up a school or church or something, oh, our thoughts and prayers are with these people. Go screw yourself. <laughs> if you really cared about anything, you'd help do something about what caused these things. Not here's our prayers, and we're going to buy Jimmy some more bullets. You know, <laughs> right? I hate it's, that phrase. I feel it's like so it's, it's kind of a. I feel like it's lazy internet activism. You know, yeah. it's 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 so easy just to type. Oh, thoughts and prayers going your way. Yeah. And then, okay. What's for dinner? You know. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. I see. If you know, uh, Joe Bob's wife died you know, cancer or whatever. Okay, fine. This is isolated. It isn't a social thing. Yeah. If you, and you know, these people fine. It, I don't have a problem with that. I had a problem with these larger issues that especially politicians and that, you know, use this. It's like, no, so disingenuous. Fair enough. Fair enough. All <laughs> right, Michael, I, uh, I appreciate your time, buddy. Um, I'm definitely going to have you on again. We're going to, I know we have some round table stuff coming up in the future here. So we're going to, I'm sure we're going to hammer that out. Um, I can, I can babble. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. <laughs> now, whether that's it's why we like you. Yeah. Whether it's entertaining or not, I don't know. Well, you know, um, the point of these is to just get to know people and, and sort of, get it out there and see what happens. So that's right. Just I'm just, letting this stuff kind of organically grow and, and we'll see where it takes us. That's right. And I'll be in your thoughts and prayers. I got it. <laughs> that being said, thanks Mike. I appreciate your time. <laughs> Not a problem. Anytime. <laughs>